a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking with Larry Keene from the National Shooting Sports Foundation about the Go Safe Act. Yes, the new gun ban bill introduced in the Senate just a couple of days ago. And already, Chuck Schumer says he's bringing it to the floor of the Senate for a vote this week. Yeah, wasting no time to try to enact the most sweeping gun ban I think ever introduced in the uh, Senate. Anyway, we'll talk with Larry about that in just one second. Before we do, though, let's talk about this for a moment. Biden's America. It is crushing us and not just our Second Amendment rights. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch me next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855 855- Five four one two three eight zero six today. That's eight five five four one two three eight zero six. And now let's get to our conversation with Larry Keene from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, all about the uh, details of the Go Safe Act, which again is as sweeping a gun ban as I've seen introduced in Congress. And last time we talked with Larry, he said, you know, it wouldn't surprise him if we saw just a flat semi-auto ban uh, introduced. This is not quite a complete ban on semi-automatic firearms, but it's pretty darn close. By going after every rifle that is gas-operated, you are talking about uh, making uh, modern sporting rifles, the vast majority of semi-automatic rifles, off-limits to lawful citizens. And that is a huge problem. The fact that uh, Chuck Schumer, again, is racing to bring this to the floor for a vote it's also not good news. Shows that the Democrats are intent on making gun control your right to keep and bear arms, your right to self-defense, a primary issue in the 2024 elections. Let's talk about it again with Larry Keene from the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Take a look and a listen. Larry, thanks so much for coming to the program. It's good talking with you today. Always a pleasure to spend time with you, Cam. Hope you're well. I, I appreciate that very much. Um, all right, so let's talk about the uh, the new gun ban bill dropped in the Senate by uh, Senators Angus King and uh, Martin Heinrich. Um, Chuck Schumer says he's bringing this to the floor for a vote this week, Larry. I, I, now, I don't know why he's uh, rushing to bring this to the floor, given the Republican-controlled House, but uh, what, what do you think is going on here? You know, it's hard to say for sure what, Uh, his thinking is, uh, and whether he actually follows through, I suspect it's just a publicity stunt that he uh, wants to bring it to the floor, and then there'll be procedural objections of filibuster, et cetera, uh, by the Republicans. He'll uh, maybe ask unanimous consent, which, of course, will properly be uh, denied, and then he'll run in front of the cameras and say how the Republicans are, you know, not for gun safety, et cetera, et cetera. The usual talking points, if it actually did go to the floor for an actual vote, um, it would be very surprising, one, because it was just introduced. It hasn't gone through 
regular order. It hasn't had a hearing. It hasn't had a markup. Uh, and I don't think that it would have 50 Democrat votes, um, let alone the 60 needed to overcome a filibuster. I don't, I mean, I would be very surprised to see people like Senator John Testa in Montana, who's up for re-election, vote in favor of this, but maybe he does, and then the voters in Montana can take that into consideration. I don't see how a Senator Sinema, who's running for re-election, even though she's um, you know, ostensibly a an independent, she's really a Democrat. I don't see how she faces the voters in Arizona having voted in favor of a, a gun ban. And, you know, as, as I'm sure you've read the bill, it's very different than what we, we've seen in the past in terms of approaching the problem. But this this bill is very, very problematic. Lots of problems with it. Um, not that the prior uh, attempts by Feinstein uh, didn't have problems, but um, so we'll see. Uh, we are going, obviously, NSSF is very opposed. We are uh, going to key vote any, you know, score the vote uh, if it does go to the floor. And we are going to score co-sponsorship. If anybody co-sponsors this bill, we're going to score that when we do our grades at the end of the Congress. So um, so we'll see what uh, if he really wants to do this. Uh, I suspect not because it's just not good strategy to put a bill out on the floor and have it go down in flames, um, particularly when I don't see how this bill sees the light of day in the House. There isn't even a House companion. So, but that's up to Senator Schumer uh, to, you know, run the floor how he sees fit and will respond accordingly. Yeah, I, you know, and I suspect that you're right that this is a, a publicity stunt, but it's worth noting that this is what they're publicizing. Right. And and I, I want gun owners to understand, I mean, if this is going to be the new standard of a gun ban bill, as you said, it's not like the last bill uh, was, was a good bill. Right. There's no such thing as a good gun ban bill. Um, but I think the last time you and I talked, you said you wouldn't be surprised to see just a straight semi-auto ban introduced in Congress. This isn't a straight semi-auto ban, but it's pretty darn close to it. Right. Um, all, you know, gas operated uh, 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 long guns, well, rifles anyway, um, would be. Verboten, be forbidden to uh, to sell. Uh, that's one step away from forbidden to possess. We know the grandfather clauses can be removed, uh, you know, once they are uh, passed into law. Um, so this is a a broadening and maybe a simplification of the guns that they want to ban, right? Um, and what's fascinating to me about this is, you know, Angus King said uh, this this gets to what makes these guns, in his words, uniquely dangerous, um, but it. You know, Larry, we're talking about firearms that are used in a small number of crimes. Um, we're talking about centerfire rifles, which are by design and by their very nature more powerful than handguns. Um, you know, I'm not sure what exactly Senator King believes make modern sporting rifles, quote unquote, uniquely dangerous, other than it doesn't take a minute and a half to reload them uh, and to fire another round. It it goes well beyond you know, modern sporting rifles. It will capture and ban garden variety semi-automatic rifles uh, that have detachable magazines. Um, so uh, it is not limited to just you know uh, modern sporting rifles, which are as you know commonly owned, which are used for hunting and target shooting. So. That, you know, this bill was not drafted in response to Lewiston. This has been in the works 
as we have learned for months, going back at least to the spring. It's very disappointing to see Senator King, who has voted no on assault weapon bans in the past. It's very disappointing to see Senator Heinrich, uh, who has voted no on gun bans in the past, you know, sponsoring this legislation. It's also interesting to me that when it was introduced, it only had four, co you know, the uh, three co-sponsors and the original uh, co-sponsor. So where are all the other anti-gun Democrats? Why aren't they already on the bill? Why wasn't it introduced with, you know, dozens and dozens of Democrats on the bill? So that's interesting to me as well. And, you know, again, it's a magazine capacity restriction. So we're going back to the, you know, the failed um, Clinton gun ban that restricted magazines, which the evidence shows did not do anything to reduce crime. It has, you know, banks a gun buyback program when DOJ has said repeatedly gun buyback programs, uh, you know, are, are do nothing to reduce crime. It would require manufacturers going forward to submit their designs to ATF to have them approved. Now the federal government is going to decide what firearms uh, consumers are allowed to buy. And for that privilege, you have to pay a fee. It is not for the federal government to decide which firearms the people choose to keep and bear for lawful purposes, including self-defense. The Second Amendment gives that choice to the, to the consumer, to the people, not the government. Um, so that's problematic and I think unconstitutional. And then they're going to take all this money and create a what they call a trust fund, which is essentially going to be a, a, a an attorney general slush fund that they will use to run the program and to advance gun control agenda. So I, I think this is just another example of the of the Biden administration uh, in their whole of government attack against the firearms industry and the Second Amendment. We see this with BIS, with ATF, and now with this legislation. So. Um, you know, I can been doing this for a long time, as you know, I can safely say that this is hands down by far more than Clinton, more than Obama, the most anti-gun administration in the history of the United States. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't, I don't think he can. I mean, again, every, everything from Joe Biden's, you know. Thrice weekly calls for a gun ban to establishing the Office of Gun Violence Prevention in the White House and basically giving uh, gun control activists a, a, a cushy job uh, and not far from the Oval Office uh, to all of the you know regulations that the ATF has imposed. And, you know, you talk about the strategies that the gun control lobby uses, and they obviously use legislation, they use regulation, but they also use litigation too, right? It's not just gun owners who are filing lawsuits. You've got uh, uh, Jonathan Lowey, uh, formerly of Brady, who's helping the Mexican government uh, sue gun makers uh, in federal court in Boston. And I just saw today, I think Fox Business was reporting that uh, a group of anti-gun activists uh, who, who bought shares and Smith and Wesson are apparently planning on suing Smith and Wesson for selling firearms uh, in essence. Right. And, and maybe marketing the firearms uh, to the public as well. Yeah. So there's this group. I um, jokingly refer to them as nuns with guns. Right. A, a religious group, uh, activist group that has purchased shares in Smith and Wesson, just a, a very small amount, enough for them to file shareholder proposals uh, repeatedly. 
uh, at annual meetings in Smith & Wesson that have been rejected repeatedly. And so now they go to the next step. They are going to file a lawsuit, supposed to be filed today, as I understand it, to sue the company and say that you know they've been damaged or harmed economically because um, Smith & Wesson shockingly sells guns and shockingly to them advertises the legal products that it makes. So uh, it's a little bit like, you know, that old line from Casablanca, you know, I'm shocked, I'm shocked, is gambling in the casino. So it's a it's a really vexatious, frivolous litigation, but it will cost Smith & Wesson a lot of money to address and respond and, and fight this lawsuit. Um, but it's, again, it's just, you know, uh, they are attacking the anti-gun forces are incredibly well-funded by Bloomberg and others. Uh, and they are, uh, literally have an office in the White House. And I haven't seen a single mainstream news article that questions the appropriateness of former lob head lobbyists, federal lobbyists for every town working in this gun control office at the White House. Imagine, uh, imagine if, you know, President Trump had established a pro-Second Amendment office to promote the Second Amendment in the White House and staffed it with, you know, me or one of my federal lobbyists or somebody from the NRA. The media would be going insane, right? And, and it would be inappropriate, right? It's, you know, um, in the same way it was inappropriate to name a gun control lobbyist, David Chipman, to try to run in the head of ATF. So, you know, I hope people, and I'm sure they are, they're watching your show, people need to really get engaged and involved. They need, we, we simply have to change the dynamic in 2024. You know, we have to, we have to restore a pro-gun majority to the Senate. We have to, you know, keep a pro-gun and grow a pro-gun majority in the House. So we will continue to fight these battles and these and this legislation um, over and over again. And there are ways that People in your audience can do that, as we discussed last time. You know, uh, NSSF has launched a super PAC, protectlibertypack.com, protectlibertypack.com. You know, you can go there and make a contribution, and we will use those funds to run uh, ads against anti-gun candidates. Um, you know, for example, if we see uh, Senator Tester, for example, vote in favor of this bill, I can assure you we want to bring that to the attention voters in Montana. So I would encourage, uh, you know, all your audience to get involved, get engaged, and and frankly, open up your wallets and contribute so that we have the resources that we don't have now that we've had in the past, unfortunately. We need the resources to fight this battle. Um, and, you know, the other side, as I mentioned, they have, you know, billionaires who are stroking checks to them, you know, um, all the time. That's how every town is funded. It's not funded by donations from from individuals. It's funded by Michael Bloomberg. So, um, you know, we need we need to respond to this challenge as a community. Absolutely. And I think we will. And I mean, you know, in a way, bringing this bill to the floor, saying you're going to bring this bill to the floor does give us an opportunity as gun owners to point out just how ludicrous uh, this bill is, all of the problems inherent in trying to ban our way to safety. Um, you know, so this is an opportunity, right? And I think we can take advantage of that. Uh, and we need to. We need to be reaching out to our friends, to our neighbors, to non-gun owners and explaining why this is the wrong approach, 
Uh, maybe point out, you know, again, if this is a response to Lewiston, as Senator King says it is, why is he doing this now instead of waiting to hear from the Army Inspector General about the failures that allowed this individual uh, to not just be free to uh, purchase a firearm because apparently it wasn't reported to Nix, but why was he out and about after, you know, uh, a, a two-week stay in a mental institution? Um, I mean, there are all kinds of things that we can do to, you know, I think broaden the perspective here. If we want to address public safety, let's talk about public safety. You want to talk about our rights? Let's talk about our rights. Um, but in either respect, and this approach of, you know, banning guns, uh, modern sporting rifles, semi-automatic rifles, takes us further away from addressing the problem, and it reduces our individual rights at the same time. And without making us safer. So well, let's have yeah. a conversation about our failed mental health system, which is on full display, unfortunately, again, again, in Lewiston, as it has been so many times in the past, right? Louisville, uh, Nashville, Aurora, Newtown, sadly, Parkland, the list goes on. That's what we should be discussing. Absolutely. And, and there's common ground. But and yet the trace yesterday... Doesn't make you safer. No, it doesn't. And yet, the trace yesterday ran a story about uh, promoting the idea that well, it's too difficult to take guns away from mentally ill people, uh, and basically suggesting that you know if you've been subject to a seventy-two hour mental health hold, right, to evaluate your mental health, that should stop you from purchasing a firearm going forward. They don't want to talk about fixing the broken. They don't want to talk about fixing the mental health system. They don't want to talk about the shortages of inpatient beds or anything like that. They just want to lower the bar to legal gun ownership, right? And to deprive people of exercising their rights. That's I the approach that they're that, taking. I don't see them talking about repealing these no bail laws, which have been a disaster. Right. I don't see them, you know, calling for for these hug-a-thug DAs like Gascon, um, you know, to resign or be forced out of office or the uh, um, uh, Krasner, I think is his name, in, in Philadelphia, who won't prosecute criminals. I mean, this country has a legalized retail theft, right? Now, look at the story just the other day, bodega owners in New York City exercising their Second Amendment rights and having a press conference to say, you know, next, you know, next bodega you try to rob, you, you might be walking into, a, you know, an armed citizen able to defend themselves. Yep, absolutely. I mean, that's the other side of the coin, too. I think one of the reasons why we're seeing bills like this is because they know that they're losing, right? We just had this NBC News poll, highest number of households reporting a, a firearm inside in the 30-some-odd years that NBC's been asking that question. Um, I just saw the latest Nick numbers for November, what, 52 straight months of uh, 1 million firearm transfers, 5% increase over uh, November of 2022. The more they complain about people exercising their right to keep and bear arms, the more they try to say, this: you exercising this right is wrong, I think the more Americans are saying, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway, because I'm concerned about my personal safety. I'm concerned about my family's personal safety. Philadelphia Inquirer, actually, I'm writing a, a piece about this for Bearing Arms today. Philadelphia Inquirer just had a big story on the reluctant new gun owners. And while they may have been reluctant about becoming a gun owner, they've embraced their gun ownership. They, you know, they've embraced their Second Amendment rights now because they are concerned about their personal safety and everything that you just talked about, whether it's Larry Krasner. Uh, not prosecuting violent felonies, whether it's Georgia Gascon in Los Angeles, whether it's, you know, um, the the just We're the soft on crime approach. They've decided, you know what, my safety and my family's safety is is my responsibility. And if that means I have to exercise my right to keep and bear arms, well, then so be it. Larry, listen, well, unfortunately, I know that all these yeah. new gun owners don't just buy the firearm, but they, you know, they've taken that important step. Right. And with 
the right to own a firearm comes responsibilities to store it safely, uh, et cetera, as we, we all know. But they need to become involved politically. Right? Absolutely. That's the key, right? All these new gun owners, um, you know, the changing demographics, which has been changing for quite some time, but um, they need to engage politically, you yeah. know, to protect protect the right that they've exercised. They now understand how important it is. You are your first, your own self uh, first responder, right? You know, when when a, something occurs, the minutes, you know, when when a crisis occurs, the police are only minutes away when seconds count. So they have to become involved politically. They have to engage, and again. You know, there are ways to do that. ProtectLibertyPact.com is one way to do that. We would encourage people, you know, you know, you know, you don't have to be a billionaire, $5, $10, $25, whatever you can. We will use those funds to make sure we, re- we retain a pro-gun majority in the House and that we restore a pro-gun majority in the Senate and hopefully uh, end this White House attack. Um, by the Biden administration, where he calls the firearms industry the enemy. I mean, it's just remarkable to me that a president would call an industry the enemy. That is divisive. He's supposed to be, you know, he's the divider in chief. He's not the uniter in chief. Uh, And he's openly hostile to our industry. It it makes the exercise of the Second Amendment possible. So, and they want to destroy our industry. They want to destroy the Second Amendment. And we can't let them get away with that. Absolutely right. Larry Keene with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Thank you as always. Good talking with you today. And I know we'll be doing this again very soon. I'm sure we will. Good to spend time with you, Cam. My thanks to Larry for joining us on the program. We are going to be paying close attention to that vote in the Senate, but now would be a really good time to contact your senators and urge them to oppose this sweeping gun ban bill. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a story out of Cincinnati, Ohio, where police have arrested a man, charged him with rape in a case that occurred a day before an attempted rape. Apparently, um, the uh, first rape, the rape that resulted in an arrest, was not originally reported, at least publicly. Uh, But the attempted rape that happened the day before uh, or the day after, was made public. Police released a sketch of a man wanted for questioning in that attempted rape, which happened last Thursday, uh, last Wednesday, according to uh, Cincinnati police. 30-year-old Mark Andrews uh, raped a woman at an apartment in the Westwood neighborhood on Wednesday. Court documents say that Andrews forced his way into the victim's apartment. So far, no one's been charged in the attempted rape that occurred, uh, again, uh, just a, a short time uh, later, uh, but it did occur in the same block where Andrews was arrested on Friday, and the de- uh, descriptions provided by the two victims were similar, including the clothing that the suspect was wearing. According to WLWT, Andrews has a, quote, long arrest history. In fact, last year, charges against him were dropped in at least two cases when he was declared mentally incompetent to stand trial. Now, rather than, again, than being placed into custody until he regained competence, apparently he was let loose. This May, he underwent treatment to reach competency in a different case. He was charged with harassment with a bodily substance for spitting on police officers. In that case, he was sentenced to a year in prison, but he received credit for 204 days served behind bars while he was awaiting trial, uh, which meant he probably was out uh, as soon as he was sentenced. 
WLWT says it was unclear when he was released, but he's currently on probation, according to court documents. In the most recent case, Bond said at $500,000 with electronic monitoring, if released, we know, of course, that really doesn't do anything to uh, stop uh, criminals from going on to commit crimes while they're wearing an ankle monitor, right? Now, to me, the most troubling part about this is, once again, we see somebody who is declared mentally incompetent, and apparently nothing was really done. Um, That's been an issue in Tennessee, as we've talked about on this program before, where individuals who are declared mentally incompetent, they're not sent to a secure facility until they regain their competency and can understand the charges against them. No, in fact, they're just oftentimes spit back out on the streets where they go on to commit more and more violent crimes. That is uh, the accusation against this individual who shot and killed an 18-year-old college freshman at Belmont University. Uh, he had been declared incompetent uh, on a couple of occasions and declared to have the mental capacity of a four- or five-year-old child. And he wasn't institutionalized. He, he wasn't uh, 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 sent to a facility to regain competence. Nope. He was cut loose. Multiple times, even after uh, he was arrested on violent charges. Again, it was this you know cycle of rinse and repeat. This is not something that is um, a Tennessee-specific problem, because now you've got this case out of Cincinnati as well. Today's Armed Citizen story from Sandy Springs, Georgia, where a homeowner shot and killed an intruder over the weekend. This was on Sunday, according to uh, Sandy Springs police, uh, when a uh, home intruder was shot and killed. It was uh, shortly before 2.30 a.m. Police in Sandy Springs say a man unlawfully entered a home and threatened the homeowner. Um, apparently, a 911 call was made, but before officers arrived, police said the homeowner, quote, while exercising his Second Amendment right to bear arms, defended himself and his family. Police say the uh, suspect passed away from his injuries. They say the investigation is ongoing. It was an isolated incident, but... Again, this would appear to be a a clear-cut case of self-defense there in Sandy Springs, Georgia, given the uh, circumstances and the initial reporting by law enforcement. Finally today, our good deed of the day. We'll go back to Cincinnati for uh, this story. Cincinnati police officers saved an individual's life while out on a date, according to the uh, Cincinnati Police Department. Officer uh, Coffey Agbelke, I I believe that's right, Agbelke, riding bikes across the Roebling Bridge in October while he was out on a date. And he ended up running across somebody who was standing on the railing of the bridge, about 100 feet above the water, and um, was talking about taking their own life. Officer Ebleke stayed there, started talking to the individual for a couple of hours, as a matter of fact. Uh, Covington... Uh, Kentucky police arrived on the scene, but Officer Blake said, do you mind if I just stay here and keep talking? For the next two hours, he spoke with that individual, shared a conversation, shared you know details of his own life, built a rapport, and eventually was able to talk that individual back behind the railing to safety. Cincinnati police write it on Facebook. Officer Agbleke went above and beyond to save a person's life. The selfless actions are the epitome of excellent policing, and the Cincinnati Police Department is honored to have him on our team. He was presented with the Distinguished Service Award by police in Covington, Kentucky, on Thursday for his life-saving actions back in October. And again, in the right place at the right time, I'm sure his date understood. Sometimes duty calls. 
But to Officer Kofi Aglake in Cincinnati, Ohio, we thank you for your very, very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. But don't forget to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We are constantly updating the website with the latest news and information. Um, we've got all kinds of lawsuits happening. You have this big lawsuit. In fact, I, I kind of want to talk about this on tomorrow's show. Major lawsuit filed in California yesterday against the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, the police chief in Laverne, California, as well as California Attorney General Rob Bonta over the uh, application requirements to get a concealed carry license, right? So now that California has been told, yes, you shall issue permits, you're seeing all kinds of games being played with jurisdictions. So in Laverne, for example, it's going to cost you between $900 and $1,100 to get your carry license, which is good, I believe, for two years. And then it's going to cost you $500 to renew that license every two years after. In Los Angeles, it's taking about 18 months for the sheriff's department to process concealed carry applications. Do you think that's an undue wait time for you to exercise a constitutional right? And one of the most important parts of this lawsuit is the fact that one of the plaintiffs is not a California resident. He's actually a Florida resident and a PhD candidate who has to spend a lot of time in California. He's a gun owner in Florida, concealed carry holder in Florida, would like to be able to exercise his right to bear arms when he's in California, but he can't. Because California doesn't recognize licenses from any other state, nor do they offer a non-resident license for folks like this individual. So we finally have a significant federal challenge to the fact that, as of right now, your right to keep and bear arms is the only constitutionally protected right that stops at the border of your state. This, again, is a hugely important case. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to try to talk about this on tomorrow's Cam and Company. But these are the types of stories, again, we're covering a bearing arms. When that the lawsuit dropped uh, Monday afternoon, we were on top of it right away. Wanted to bring you guys the latest details. And so, again, I would encourage you to check out BarionArms.com throughout the day. You never know when we're going to get major court decisions or big lawsuits like that dropping. But we'll keep you covered regardless. And if you like what you see, I'd encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member as well. All you have to do, go to BarionArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP or VIP membership, VIP or VIP gold membership, I should say. In exchange for uh, giving us your support, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. News stories and analysis that matter because your support matters a great deal as well. So thank you again. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.